One of the upsides of being a solopreneur is that I never have to worry about having difficult conversations with my coworkers because I ain't got any. But most people have coworkers and colleagues, and sometimes you might need to initiate a difficult conversation. Welcome to episode 138 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown speaker, author, and networking coach. And today I am discussing how to tackle the 10 most difficult conversations in the workplace. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. There are actually way more than 10 awkward conversations that can be had at the office. Conversations like maybe no one's allowed to microwave fish. If you didn't put the yogurt in the fridge, don't eat it. It's not yours. And maybe Dracon Noir as a cologne has had its heyday in the 90s. Leave it there. But there are more difficult conversations, one that can cause anxiety and even dread. A survey from Vital Smarts revealed that more than 80% of workers are hiding from at least one uncomfortable conversation at work. So, what are the 10 most common and difficult conversations to have in the office? Well, according to the HR solutions company Remote, who analyzed Google search data, the 10 possible topics which are difficult to discuss in the workplace are 1. How to ask for a pay raise. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that that might be difficult, but here's a little tip on that, folks. You don't get what you don't ask for. And also, I think I read somewhere that 68% of people who ask for more money get it. So go ahead and ask, even if it's an awkward conversation, okay? Two, how to tell your boss you're sick. I mean, honestly, I can't believe this is the thing in a post-pandemic world. Like, haven't we learned to be more lenient with sick time now that, you know, the pandemic happened and we don't want sick people in the office? I don't know. Three, how to give negative feedback. Yep, I'd struggle with that one too. Four, what to say on your first day of work. Well, this is something that I've not struggled with, but I can see why it might cause anxiety for others. Five, how to report unfair treatment. Yeah, because you're like, I'm complaining, so am I douche and I need to let someone know. I can see that. Or especially if it's like maybe the person who's not treating you well is like your superior and you need to go above their head. Yeah, I can see how that might be difficult. Um, six, what to say to someone leaving a job? Uh, I'm usually like, congrats, good luck, let's keep in touch, way to go. Like. I don't know why that's a difficult conversation. Seven. I mean, I could see... Hold on, let me go back to this six. I mean, I could see it if it was like, what do you say to somebody who's just been let go but not leaving a job? Like, when you see somebody walking back to their desk to, like, pick up their shit, like, yeah, that's a difficult conversation. Okay. Seven. How to report bullying at work. Uh, If there is a bully or bullying culture in your office, I'm sorry. That shit might be from the top down. What's that saying? The fish stinks from the head. Did I just, I swear to God, I don't know if I just made that up, but I think I've heard it before. Eight, 
How to talk to your boss about burnout. (laughs) Yeah, but with burnout in the news, like all of the time, so much so that the prime minister is piecing out of her role due to it. I mean, I hope we it. I hope that's an easier conversation to, to have now. Nine. What to say to an employee who is leaving. Isn't that the same as number six? What to say to someone leaving a job? I think they might have screwed up. I think six was supposed to be somebody being let go from a job. Anyways. And 10. What to say when you've made a mistake at work? Well, usually, whoops, I fucked up. Sorry, my bad. How can I fix it is a good place to start. (laughs) Anyways, these were, this is data. This is Google data. So this is what's coming in as Google data. Maybe it's here that I should insert that my advice on those topics on my, like, my banter on those was not professional advice from somebody who has studied workplace culture or anything like that. But thankfully, I do read a lot and I can offer you the advice of John Stoker, the author of Overcoming Fake Talk, in an article he wrote for Entrepreneur Magazine, which he says that 10 tips to help you overcome your fears and successfully navigate a difficult conversation at work are the following. Okay, well, before I get to them, let me tell you that his 10 tips were a little lengthy, like he kind of went on, so I'm going to paraphrase some of his shit, okay? All right, here we go. So 10 tips for overcoming fears and successfully navigating difficult conversations at work. One, prepare yourself. Identify how you feel and what you are thinking about the current situation or person involved. Then ask yourself, is my thinking absolutely true? What facts or data support my perception? If you can find evidence that challenges your thinking, then it's time to reevaluate your position. It it might take a little of the hard edge off of your feelings or judgments about the situation. Maybe it helps you enter the conversation with a desire to learn what you may not understand. So I guess that is a good tip. Prepare yourself. Two. Identify your purpose. Identify what it is that you would like to achieve by holding the conversation. Be as specific as you can. Remember that if you don't know what you want, then how are you going to get it? Really? Three, think through the context. Here are some questions that should help you prepare for a difficult conversation by understanding the context. First one, topic. What is the topic of a conversation? Second, person. How might this person respond to the topic? Three, purpose. What do I want to see as an outcome of this conversation? That's a good one. Because if you're just starting an argument, well, it's not an argument, it's a conversation. Okay, I digress. Four, past. What do I know about this situation? What are the facts? Five, plan. What is the plan for achieving the desired objective of this conversation? And six, assumptions. What assumptions am I making about this person in this situation? Yeah, you know that thing that, 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 what is it? Don't assume because it makes an ass out of you and me. Assumptions, they're not, most of the time, they're not right. Okay. So they're saying when you're thinking through the context, taking a minute to answer each question will help you anticipate the other person's reactions and will help you remain in control of the conversation, meaning less likely that you are taken off guard by their answers. The reviewing the context may help you lessen any fears you may have about just winging it, which I also think, like, Thinking through the context is also like preparation. Maybe they could have just put those two together. Four, gain your listener's attention. To do this, you'll want to use an attention check, which I thought was interesting. An attention check entails simply saying, I would like to talk about dot, dot, dot. Can we do that? 
That way, the person knows what you want to talk about and you have their attention. They're saying make sure this initial statement is calm and not judgmental. Like, don't come into the attention check. Like, we got to talk about this shit. Like, you know, like calm, non judgmental. So you gain the interest of the listener. Yeah, don't have a serious conversation with someone who has not given you their full attention too. That's a recipe for misunderstanding. So do that attention check. And if you don't have their attention, then I don't think you should have that conversation because they're not into it. Five, share the facts. Begin by sharing the facts as an I statement, such as I noticed that you haven't given me the report that you should have given me the first thing this morning. In this way, you can distinguish between what is fact and what is interpretation or opinion. Hmm. Actually, I don't know how I feel about this one, so I'm going to move right along. Six, share your thinking after your I statement. So follow the fact I statement with another statement that includes your thinking, such as, so you're going to say the I statement is, I noticed that you haven't given me the report that you said you were going to give me this morning. And then the thinking I statement would be something like, I am wondering if something came up that kept you from delivering the report on time. So they're saying, always give the person the benefit of the doubt when sharing your thoughts. Okay, I like this. I like this. I'm wondering why. I'm curious as to why. I like that. Okay, seven. Ask questions to gain understanding. The purpose of this step in the conversation is to learn what you know or don't know. For example, in the previous scenario, you might ask, what happened? Or, what kept you from being able to meet this deadline? Try to ask as many questions as you can to completely understand the other person and his or her point of view. Ah, yes, helping people be seen and heard about why they fucked up. <laughs> Very useful. Eight, clarify your understanding. In order to clarify, simply summarize the other person's point of view first and then your own. After summarizing, end in a question by asking the person if you have understood them correctly. For example, so you were unable to get to the report to me this morning because another manager asked you for the budget. You initially felt that you could complete both requests, so you didn't ask for an extension. Is that correct? Hmm. I'll be honest, this seems like a lot of talky-talky to me. It also, I'm not, I, I'm not an expert, but it also seemed like a little condescending when you're like, am I correct? I feel like I could have worded that differently. Anyways, again, I'm not the expert. John goes on to say that by ending in a question, okay, so here now he's saying why you should end in a question. You'd be asking the person to confirm or disconfirm what you have understood. This creates respect and signals that your understanding of the other person is important to you. Or... If you're like me and it's a little too much talky-talky and maybe a little condescending, I don't know. I guess maybe it's the tone of voice that I just read that in. Like maybe I, I read it in my own voice, which is a little condescending. Maybe it doesn't sound that way coming out of someone else's mouth. I'm going to move on from point eight. Nine, build a plan. The whole reason for talking about tough topics is that you want something to change. Yes, I agree with it. It is helpful if you have a plan in mind before holding the conversation. However, don't be surprised if you find your original plan won't work due to what you've learned by asking questions. Okay, so apply your learning and adjust your plan as needed to benefit both parties going forward. I mean, this that statement right there just shows why it's hard to have difficult conversations because those conversations probably don't usually go the way that you th think you're going to go. Um, all right, so 10, last one. Gain commitment to the plan. Discuss your plan, then ask your listener if he or she is committed to the course of the action you've created together. And watch for a reaction. Oh, okay. If the person hesitates, it takes a long pause or offers an eye-rolling statement, which is totally something I would do if someone came to me with like half these points, then, okay, then something's amiss. <laughs> like your conversation 
has not, you don't have the outcome of the conversation that you wanted. So maybe go back to asking questions to understand why the person's rolling their eyes at you. Oh God, more questions. Okay. It says, make sure that both of you are dedicated to your plan of action so you aren't talking about the same topic again weeks later. Yeah, I bet. Also, don't hesitate to follow up to see if if the plan you've agreed on is working. Well, that's a lot of pointers and a lot of talking. It is important, though, because he mentions in this article that in his research, he uncovered that people were often afraid to talk about things that mattered the most to them. And the truth is, if something is wrong and you don't talk about it, it's most likely going to get a whole hell of a lot worse, not better. So take these pointers and see if you can make a plan out of these pointers that works for you. Because no matter the company, no matter the company culture, there will always be conversations that are more difficult to have than others. Now, hopefully you have some solid tips on how to prepare for and have those conversations because having the conversation beats the alternative of ignoring it and hoping it goes away when in reality, all it's doing is festering and getting worse. Okay, so after these difficult conversations, you're most likely going to need a drink. So what should the drink of the week be? Hmm, decisions, decisions. You should see me when I'm like Googling these drinks. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. You know, anyways... I came up with a good one. And I can tell you that I am never going to make this cocktail, but I had to highlight it because it comes from the king of cringe when it comes to office conversations. Michael Scott, perfectly played by Steve Carell in The Office. It's his one of everything cocktail. Here's what you're going to need. Equal parts scotch, absinthe, white rum, gin, sweet vermouth, triple sec, and two pots. I can't even get it out. Two packs of Splenda. What you're going to do is you're going to add all of the ingredients to a rocks glass. That would have to be a really big fucking rocks glass. Stir, sip, and then most likely spit it out and go make a real drink. I love it. One of everything. Oh, good. All right. That's it for this week, friends. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the podcast to help it reach a larger audience. If you want more Julie Brown, you can find my book, This Shit Works, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You can find me on LinkedIn at JulieBrownBD. Just let me know where you found me when you're reaching out. I'm JulieBrown underscore BD on the Instagram. And you can just pop on over to my website if none of those other options work. JulieBrownBD.com. Until next week. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. This Shit Works.